the right door on your way down. There's no telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. never think of angels the same again. If I see one, I'll know to run like hell. I'm sure you have much worse locked in a cage down here somewhere. <laughs> of course you are right. Though strange to hear how destructive an angel can be. Indeed. There are many things that are not what they appear to be. Yes, well, not a bad start, Alexander. One down, four to go. I think I have just the one for you, speaking of things not appearing as they should. (laughs) I can't wait. Crop Rotation Written by David Stevens Narrated by Zane Pinner Anxiety coursing, sun up in three hours, the work that awaited him, the mess, always making do, nothing ever finished. Then there was the thing the worrying was hiding, the thing that should be at the centre of his thoughts. The bed sagged and creaked as he rolled, dragging his belly with him, old traces of his wife, her face cream, roses and linoleum, lingered, a distant banging. The noise came from inside the house. He lifted his head to hear from both ears, vertebrae grinding as he sat up. Carter jumped as a fox screamed nearby. He forced himself to relax. After the big storm, all those noises outside, him leaping each time, checking there was no one in the yard, Maggie yelling she couldn't sleep with him carrying on, there was no one there, who would be out in the dark after weather like that? She couldn't sleep. The roaring over the forest that night, a dribble of green leaking over the distant mountains and lightning flashing far away. The whole big sky, black as secrets. A week later, he was on the roof repairing the television antenna, listening to his wife yelling he was a fool at his age. He guessed he'd been a fool at any age. He couldn't stand to hear for a second longer how she was missing her soaps, and if he didn't get up there and fix it, he didn't know who would. Useless effort. There was power, but no signal. Nothing but white hash on the screen. She said he'd put it up wrong, but they both knew that that wasn't it. Otherwise, she wouldn't have stopped him when he tried to climb back up again. She was taking a long time in the loo. Now he had to go. It would be a waste of time. He'd wait for ages and maybe be rewarded with a tiny piddle. Stuck here with these old man thoughts, these fog and early morning bleats. He should be retired, somewhere warm, somewhere with human beings, sitting in the shade complaining about everything, seeing no one for weeks. Morning after the storm, Pearson's ute had flown up the dirt road like an emu with a rocket up its arse. Last car he'd seen. She still wasn't back. If he didn't sleep, how could he do a day's work? Kitchen, garden to be tended, though Maggie would do that. She was doing a lot more. 
Her hip had stopped playing up, like that was some kind of compensation. At that, he felt like a drink. He always felt like a drink. There was none in the place, not for a long time. That was the only way to fix that. Silence solidified behind him. He was being stared at. Carter felt the eyes boring into his back. Something had settled back there in the dark, paused just outside the doorway. A chunk of the night settled on its haunches. No movement. Perhaps he'd been mistaken. Then came the long creak of the door being pushed open, the slow groan of hinges as it was closed again. He'd meant to oil the door, another job he'd failed to do. Along his arms and legs, his hairs rose, sniffing, little gasps of air taken in, tasted, coming closer, following his scent. It hadn't been a fox screaming, he knew what was there. Tentative steps on the hardwood floor as it came closer. Maggie had always wanted carpet in here, but carpet costs, and it wasn't him who polished the floors. Another way he'd let her down. It was nearer now, at the edge of the bed. He felt it lean on the mattress, a deep breath through its nose. The pressure as a leg was raised, and a knee pressed on the side of the bed. Weight shifted, something leaning forward, and don't be stupid, it's Maggie, it's Maggie, it's Maggie. Carter had an image of a cat, poised and predatory, ready to pounce. Not the way he used to picture his wife. The mass moved, falling forward, and Carter swung. As the body came down on the bed, Carter used his hip as a pivot and rolled out into the night, looked across, saw his wife staring at him from the bed. Who else? He shuffled out of the room, his bad leg dragging, his bladder pressed with a false urgency. Maggie had wanted an ensuite as well, but the house wasn't built for such luxuries, and he had kept telling her he didn't want to sleep in the same room where they shit. That was disgusting. Don't be ridiculous, she said, and she'd been right, like she was about everything. He'd grown up with an outhouse and had a chamber pot tucked under his bed in the winter. Bringing the toilet inside the house in his lifetime was a massive achievement. The bathroom light blinded him. He was still standing there waiting for action when his vision returned. No use looking down, a watched kettle never boils, and he wouldn't be able to see his gear anyway, not with his belly hanging there. This is the bright future, and nothing is ever going to be as good as this again. When did the good old days end? He let his pyjamas fall, turned, sat down and sighed yet again. What would he have copped if his old man had known he'd sat down to pee? You what? Yes, Sheila. The indignities the old bastard had avoided by having his last heart attack at 50. The benefits of a meat and beer diet. The corner of the manhole was ajar. That's what had taken her so long. Carter had told her he'd be out for the whole day, drove off with that familiar gnawing, a rat chewing at his belly, matching the pulsing in his leg. He worked his way through his usual list of bills and delays and jobs undone, trying to identify the focus of his anxiety. In the end, he just braked halfway across a paddock and walked back home, a slow aching trek with his gammy leg. Maggie wasn't at the house. 
He kept expecting to turn a corner and bump into her coming the other way, and he had a lie ready to blurt out about the flippin' truck breaking down again. It didn't happen. She wasn't in the garden, nor in the shed. He circled wider and wider, searching, following his thoughts, not tracks, his mood darkening as the trees grew closer and blocked the sky. All this shit he'd meant to clear away, useless trees and bushes, finish the work his father had started. It would never happen now. The bush was coming back, swallowing his land. Soon enough, it would be as though he'd never existed. Finally, he glimpsed her before she disappeared into a clutch of she-oaks. By the time he caught up, the ground was springier beneath his feet. Wasteland, it all needed draining. There's a project to be getting on with. Tea-coloured water seeped into her footprints, rising above her ankles. Everything else failing, but there was nothing wrong with his eyesight. Mosquitoes rose about her in lazy clouds, but she didn't spot, didn't wave her arms. She strode further into the bog until she reached a cleft between twin gum trees. She leaned on one of them and stood in the humidity that she hated so much, with the water riding up her shins. Carter hung back. He felt ridiculous. He should call out to her, make himself known, but he didn't. What was she doing out here? The only one ever came out here was their son, long time ago. Bird watching, he said. Bludging more like, stupid birds. None here today, he noticed. Maggie gripped a tree with her left hand for balance, and with her right hand she bunched up the front of her dress. Carter slipped to the side of the eucalypt he was hiding behind to get a better look. Water flowed from the hem of her dress as Maggie dragged it out of the brackish water. Her dress rose up. She wasn't wearing support hose. Her legs were firmer than he remembered, less mottled. Even just thinking it, he whispered that last word. Lord, imagine if she ever heard him talking about her like that. She crouched a little and pulled the dress higher. She was wearing nothing underneath. Dementia, he thought, and he would have gone to her, would have broken cover and crossed and held her, but then she spread her legs and crouched still lower. He heard the splash before he realised what he was seeing. From between her legs it pulsed, squirt after long squirt of white fluid, a flow like elephant pissing, if an elephant pissed milky pus. It kept going. The gunk flowed out of her at such a rate, he thought she should have been emptied, leaving the husk of her clinging to the tree like a cicada shell. Run, his mind screamed, but he saw how it would play out, turning, trying, making a few yards through the swamp before his crook leg gives way, and he splashes face down in the water. She overtakes him with ease, looks down on him half submerged, her head bent at an inquisitive angle. Her body lowers towards him, and just as she blocks the sun, something else breaks through the mask of her face, and he descends into darkness. So he stayed, his eyes closed to block out the image, as though that could somehow hide him. Panting, he slid quietly into the shallow water, backing into the submerged roots of the river gum, forcing his backside into the mud. With his bad back and fat stomach, he bent as much as he could, pressing into the shadow. Still, he heard the noise, the fucking squirt, the thick splash. Gently, he submerged his hat, staining it wet to darken it before he replaced it, pulling the brim low to cover his face. The splashing stopped. Holding his breath, he lowered himself as far as pain would allow. He heard the sluicing of water as she turned and began to retrace her steps. There wasn't another person around for a million miles. Him and the trees and the insects and whatever was passing for his wife. Her feet sloshing step after step, he refused to look up. Beneath his hat, the sound of her movement was everything. Slosh, 
like slosh. She walked past him. Carter waited ages, eventually daring to lift his hat and look about. The sun had moved. The bog was silent but for the machine burr of insects. His leg was numb and he had to roll onto his knees and climb the trunk of the tree to raise his body from the water. Circulation returned slowly in sharp stabs and aches. His heart raced and his breath was panting. He waited some more, not thinking, just breathing. When he began the long, limping journey to his truck, he waited for her to spring from behind each tree that he passed. He hasn't stopped waiting. He wanted nothing more in life than to urinate and have this over with. Maggie had been taken a few days after the storm, he guessed. She would have been sitting on this very toilet seat, looked up and seen a version of herself descend naked from the ceiling. Had she died from fright? Had they needed to finish her off? So long as it was quick. He remembered the night, not that he had recorded the date or anything. He'd woken briefly as she left the room for the toilet. He must have nodded back off for the next thing he was being dragged from his sleep. Maggie fumbling roughly at the front of his pyjamas, pulling him round from the back, mounting him, rocking back and forth in a way he couldn't remember. First he was surprised that it was happening at all, and then more surprised that he managed to play his part. It was hard to mourn when there was someone in the house who looked just like her, spoke like her, and seemed to have her memories. By now, he suspected she had been replaced several times, that they were a couple of generations along. Sitting in the truck in the paddock that day, waiting for his clothes to dry, he decided that it was not in his interest to reveal what he knew. He'd headed home. Where else could he go? It didn't take long to doubt himself, to deny the memory of that long afternoon. Life went on. If she'd noticed him out in the swamp, she gave no sign. Carter couldn't leave it alone. Seeing she was busy with her chores, he tramped out through the bog searching for evidence. There was nothing. He'd imagined everything. He was right, it was dementia, but he was the sick one. Less than a week later, he walked along the creek that fed the bog. The water there was clear, slowly flowing. There they were, affixed to the rocks near the bank. He stopped, relieved and horrified. Clusters of translucent sacks, water gliding over them. He checked every few days now. Always there are a few on the margin, browning, breaking up, drifting off into the deeper water where the fish and yabbies will take care of them. He doesn't worry about those failures. He focuses on the ones starting to ripen. He looks for the balding heads, the rounding but not too round stomach. There are a couple of half house bricks he keeps there. It doesn't take long. Once they're ripe, the sacks are about to crack and fissure anyway. The skin tears easy, and it takes just a few hard whacks to crack the plate beneath. After that it's a cinch to reduce the insides to thick green paste. The first time, before he steeled himself to the task, he left it late. It had raised its forearms, waving them gently, a bug's antenna testing the air. As he brought the brick down, a moan escaped from a face that was exactly his a decade ago. He looked at the mess before he pushed it out into the creek to dissolve, before he wiped the brick clean on the reeds. Green shit everywhere, shards like broken bakelite poking through. Stared at the female in the next sack and taunted himself, you're fucking that. Push the bricks down into your trousers, walk out into the creek, don't look back, just walk out there. Clean and deep this time of year, let it all wash away. Go under, take a deep breath. The sky was frosty blue. 
The day was mild and a cool breeze dappled the surface of the creek. Carter closed his eyes for a moment, felt the air brush over his face. Dragonflies danced and hovered, danced and hovered. Along the bank, wildflowers trailed in the water. He was a farmer. He had traded in meat all his life. He had dealt with hernias and prolapsed uteruses and extruded bowels, done his fair share of butchering. What we're all like underneath, most people were able to ignore that. There was no reason not to extend that deliberate ignorance to his own situation, especially as he had no choice, not if he wanted to live. Carter wiped the bricks, removing most of the muck, and put them back in their spot. The stray thoughts hadn't stopped him coming down and culling the males every few days. He did not want to walk into the bathroom some night and find his replacement waiting for him. It was hard enough to piss without worrying about what might come crawling down the manhole while he was sitting there. He left the females alone. In his reverie, two or three drops squeezed out, barely disturbing the water in the toilet. He pretended he felt better. Where else could he go? Carter only knew his farm. Pearson had never returned. Everything beyond was a dark forest. Who knew what was going on out there? If he even camped out in another room, she would come hunting. He'd give himself away in an instant. So, stomach dragging him forward, he returned to the cave of his bedroom. Carter ignored the cat's eye glow from the bed as he shuffled across the floor. He'd put out of his mind an image of a tapering shittiness limb reaching around him, a barbed tip tapping at his shoulder. Her embrace was eager. The newcomer must have won. That wasn't always the way, but it was happening more often lately. The younger ones were breeding stronger. The females wouldn't suffer each other to live, not while he was the only male, and he didn't intend that to change. It was a pity, he thought, as she pinned him beneath her. They were good workers, and there was so much he could do to the property with just a few of them. Carter finished and she rolled off, quicker than peeing. Breathing came easier. The late night thoughts pushed lower into the sponge of his mind. Gave him a moment to plan. Don't adapt, you die. That young couple. They'd bought Tennyson's block a few years back, upstream a couple of miles. Maybe that would work. Perhaps different types of females could get on, not registering each other as a threat. She'd been a good sort, wore khaki shorts and a rib singlet. Carter always snuck a look. Long brown legs, unmottled. Good arms, nice bum. He could drag the tinny to the creek, go and take a gander at what was happening up there. Back up through the forest, set off early so it was all in daylight. He'd kept control here, but the rest of the place might have descended into chaos without a firm hand. Always tricky, introducing new crops. No one would even notice if he untethered one of the embryonic females, trailed the sack bobbing behind the boat as he set off back downstream, see how she'd fare transplanted. They should appreciate it, him taking one off their hands. If they thought about it. If they thought.
You've been listening to The Dark Heart, which is a production of Dissonance Media. Crop Rotation was written by David Stevens and was originally published in the anthology At The Edge, edited by Dan Rabatz and Lee Murray, Paper Road Press 2016. David Stevens usually lives in Sydney, Australia, with his wife and those of his children who have not yet figured out the locks. He is the author of 25 published stories, largely speculative, sometimes experimental, which have appeared amongst other places in cross-genres, Aurealis, Three-Lobed Burning Eye, Pseudopod, Café Irreal, and most recently, Pistarian Literary Journal, Andromeda Spaceways magazine, and the anthology Prol Scary Yet. David is an Australian Shadows Award finalist, and his stories have received favourable comments from Alan Datlow in her yearly summaries. His short story, My Life as a Lizard, received an honourable mention in the list of best short fiction of the year in Clavisoria in Apex. One day he will finish his novel. Head to davidstevens.info for more from David. Narration was completed by Zane Pinner. This episode was produced and edited by James Barnett. If you want access to exclusive content or merch, why not head over to our Patreon page and subscribe for as little as a dollar a month. Head to patreon.com forward slash podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a rating and a review. It would be much appreciated. And as always, stay horrific, everyone.